Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. Show. I feel so, I'm taking a deep breath and a sigh because I'm finally on the air. We're starting a brand new week here, folks, and I hope everybody's out there feeling great. I hope everybody's feeling positive and upbeat and ready to take on the worst in the world. And it's great here in the city of Chicago. It's dark, but and it's cold. But hey, it's great to be alive. It's great to be feeling positive. It's great to be actually being able to get things done and see the results of those uh, things that you've gotten done. Isn't it wonderful getting things done uh, and getting things that getting things that need to be done, like paying bills, making, making sure the kids are off to school, making sure that the, uh, the college students in your family, they've got what they need in order to, you know, Excel in college. Uh, it's great to get things done, to get the bills done, get the insurance paid, and all this kind of stuff. Pay the the light bill, the gas bill, the mortgage, the rent. It's great getting things done. Because when you get things done, you sit back and you relax and you go, wow, I did it. I did it. You know, and it, it pays dividends. You're getting things done. And then you say, wow. I've got all these things done. Oh, sit back, relax, and wait until next month. <laughs> you go out shopping. You get shopping done. You make groceries. You do all of that. You you clean up the house. You 
I mean, you do this, you do that, you, 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 you're going out to big box stores, you're picking up Christmas presents and birthday presents and all of this kind of thing, and you're getting things done. It's great. And I, uh, folks, I've been getting things done all my life, and I'm old. I have been getting things done, all, and I'm still getting them done. I'm still getting them done. The kids sit back, and they watch mom and dad get it done. They're not going to do a damn thing. They're going to uh, benefit from what we get done. <laughs> what we accomplish, because they think we're accomplishing it for them, but we are actually accomplishing things as an overall result of getting things done, not just because of the kids. The kids just gonna they, they're gonna benefit from what we get done. Now, if you ask your child to get something done, <laughs> no way. At least not at this point, especially when they're young and, and they're they're energetic and they they think that parents, we as parents, we're out to. Uh, please them, make them happy. They think that's our job. No, it is not. It is not. But it is so great to get things done. It's so great to get, especially if you have five, six, seven, eight things to get done and you do them all uh, every week, every two weeks, every three weeks, every month, every six months, whenever you get it done. You know, you have to watch wash the kids' clothes. You got to do all of that. You got to do what you got to do as a parent. And you get things done. And all you ask and all that you do ask of your children is that they do well in school. And, and the parents, we parents, will take care of the rest of it. Do well in school. Be a good person. Do not hang around the bad people. Hang around good people. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we do the heavy work. Uh, we just want them to get good grades. Uh, graduate high school, graduate college, uh, university. We uh, make us proud. That's what we're asking. Make us proud in becoming a productive part of society. That's all we ask of our kids. We do the heavy lifting. The parents, we do the heavy lifting. They do not. All we ask that they be the best children or child uh, they can be. Make us happy because we are sacrificing so much for their future. And some, you know, some kids, some, even some adult kids don't, do not uh, understand that or realize that, that we're out looking out for them, not ourselves. Most, most Americans, most of us who are, have adult children and even some have adult, adult children and, and some, even some kids, we're not looking out for ourselves. We're looking out for their welfare. We've been there. We've we've uh, saw it. We came. We conquered. Now it's their turn. Because remember that old saying, and it still stands: young people are going to be taking over the world. It's their time to take over the world and show us what they can do while we sit back comfortably and grow old and die. We want our children to carry on our names. I, I I told my son the other day. I said I said uh, Denver. Um, now, if you don't get married or or have a girlfriend and have a child and name this child Wilder, your last name Wilder is going to go away. It's going. I, I talked about this the other day on the radio, uh, and and it will. I'm, uh, find a girlfriend so you can and have a child and have a couple of children. Uh, give them your last name, like always, as tradition, and uh, let that Wilder name 
uh, go on into history, you know, with the grandchildren, great-grandchildren, whatever, ancestors on down the road. But if you do not go out and get married and have a girlfriend and you will not have babies, then the Wilder name, at least on this side of the family, will cease to persist. He didn't seem to get it, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, you're listening to the uh, George Wilder Jr. show on the Blog Talk Radio. And uh, I'm, I was looking at something online just before I came in, and I've, I've told myself I, I was going to talk about it. Mike Ditka, uh, a lot of people have heard that Mike Ditka, the former Chicago Bear, Bears and Bears coach of the 1985 Super Bowl Bears, I mean, the guy, the guy had a heart attack. I mean, I'm reading here that he's 79 years old. The guy had a heart attack, you know. But a lot of us thought it was just, you know, a lot of us thought that it was just something that had happened, that it was a mild heart attack, that it wasn't actually going to take, going to take his life, you know. So, but now they're saying that the the heart attack, his latest heart attack, okay? He's had them before. Yeah, I think he had a heart attack and a stroke once before. And But this latest setback in his, during his, uh, uh, in his life, they're now calling this a massive heart attack. He's 79 years old, as I probably mentioned. He's 79 years old. Mike Dicka's massive heart attack was much worse than projected, much, much worse than reported. You know, so, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, when stuff like this happens, you know, I've heard, I, I've read about these things happening to people. And the next day or the next couple of days or even the next hour, uh, it's being reported that these people have passed away. They're gone uh, through uh, because of a heart attack, a stroke. But this is from what this article is saying this is Dicka's second heart attack he also had a stroke okay the day before thanksgiving former chicago bears coach mike Dicka was on the golf course in florida why do why do heart attacks happen on the golf course more heart attacks happen on the golf course than on blue monday I mean, this is not the first time. The golf course. What is it about golf that sends people to the hospital, especially older people? Okay, uh, like a blindside hit from the from from a line biker, he began feeling weak. Thanks to some quick thinking by his playing partners, he was taken to the hospital where he remained for a week and a half. Anytime you remain in a hospital for a week and a half after a heart attack, that is no mild heart attack. That is no mild heart attack. This is serious. And majority of the times from what I've been reading, heart attacks, when you have a heart attack, that's permanent damage to your heart. That will never go away. That's permanent damage to your heart. Uh, His agent... Uh, his agent said Dicka, who is 79 years old, Mike Dicka, had a mild heart attack and was doing much better. His agent lied to the rest of us, right? 
trying to make us think that, hey, it's okay. It's not a big deal. But then again, we hear that it's a massive heart attack. He had four stents. He has – he okay, excuse me. Uh, um, I'm starting to stutter. <laughs> he had four stents inserted to open his arteries and a pacemaker to control his heartbeat. Yeah, I was. I think I heard that that uh, uh, the doctors were had inserted a pacemaker uh, to help his heart uh, along and to keep it beating. This is Dicker. This is I'm quoting him. I got my ass kicked pretty good there, but I'm feeling a lot better. He told the Atlantic. I, I guess that's some sort of publication. Every day I get stronger. I'm not exerting myself when I exert myself. Is when I can feel it. So things are good. If you had asked me two weeks ago, I couldn't have said that. Okay, rehab has been slow but steadily. He's he's back hitting golf balls again. After a massive heart attack, he's back hitting golf balls again. Well, you know, so you know, seventy nine years old. I'm, I'm I think he should after major surgery for a massive heart attack. I don't think you should be up and back and hitting golf balls, even if his doctor said that he can probably do that. I'm pretty sure he's, he's not doing it because um, more likely his, his doctor said, hey, well, you can go back and play golf. But anyway, uh, a massive heart attack like that, now I don't think you actually go back to play golf so soon. You know, But, you know, I'm not his doctor. I'm not I don't give him advice or any kind of medical advice. You know, it's just that it just seems like common sense to me. All right. You've been listening to to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, everybody. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for podcasting. We were off the show. Uh, There was no show yesterday, as you probably know. (laughs) A lot of people, what happened, George? Well, we were busy getting things done. That's (laughs) that's what I uh, that's what I um. Uh, was talking about earlier. Okay, uh, the reality show President Donald President Trump got the best of his own game. The, uh, okay, all right. Donald Trump uh, let the uh, Donald Trump had a meeting uh, with the Democrats in the Oval Office. He let in the cameras. He let in the press, and he just acted a complete ass. I can look. I'm looking at a photograph here of Chuck Schumer, with with his head hanging down because he knows that Trump is so stupid and so dumb, and just an idiot and an unhinged president who wants to be a dictator. And I'm looking at Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer should not be hanging his head down. This man, maybe he should. I mean, you don't want to argue with an idiot. You can't argue with an idiot. You cannot argue with a fool. And Donald Trump is all of that. He is so embarrassing. And and I wonder why they don't just indict this man. There is nothing in the Constitution that says that Donald Trump cannot be indicted. Not one word. Whether Mueller indicts Donald Trump, I I think he should. I, I, and the rest of America should also be pressuring. Justice to and to indict Donald Trump. Uh, I don't want to hear about this shit. But there's a, a clause on the 
Department of Justice books that says an, a, a president cannot go to jail or a president cannot be indicted because he's a sitting president. Bullshit. This country, America, the law of the land is the Constitution. A president can be indicted. I can tell you this. If Donald Trump was a Democrat and this shit was going on, do you think the Republicans will try to save his ass by saying that a sitting president cannot be indicted because of some shit that the DOJ has on their books, which I think is illegitimate? The answer is no. No. The Democrat, he would have been out of there a long time ago. These thug Republicans, Nazi uh, Russian spies, Republicans that we have in uh, Congress? No. No. Donald Trump should be indicted. We, the American people, should pressure the Department of Justice to indict this criminal. He's been implicated in two federal fucking crimes. He should be indicted. And I keep looking at this photograph where... Um, uh, where Donald Trump is is bitching and arguing with Nancy Pelosi and um, Chuck Schumer, he had he called a meeting with the Democrats. It seemed like he's screaming and yelling at them, or just being plum old fucking ridiculous. You know what I think he's doing? He he invited the media and television cameras in him to in in the Oval Office to see him act a damn fool. What he's doing is trying to tell us that he's in control, that he's a dictator, that he is in control, control, sorry, he's in control, and it ain't working. It's not working. It's not working, I, and I agree with what Betty Webb has said, uh, uh, that he knows nothing about the Constitution, and the thing about it, Donald Trump does not care to know anything about the Constitution. He couldn't give two shits about the Constitution. He just wants he just wants when he opens his fucking mouth, he wants people to jump. He's not a reader. He he doesn't uh follow rules. And that's one of the reasons why John Kelly quit. He quit because can't deal with that idiot no more. Rex Tillerson, Secretary Former Secretary of State, he quit because he just couldn't deal with that idiot anymore. They walked out. You never know. They walked in John Kelly's case. You really don't know if he actually quit or was he asked to leave. In other words, was he fired? We don't know that yet, but it may come out in the coming days or coming hours or moments. Who knows? But this guy is a mess. He is a mess. He is a mess. And the Democrats should impeach him. I'm still looking at this photograph, folks, and it's, and it's horrible. Chuck Schumer, he, he is saying, I can't deal with this guy. He's a fucking idiot. I can't deal with this guy. Chuck Schumer, he's... He's lowering his head in this photograph. His, his head is lowered. And he's saying, but this is what I'm thinking that he's saying. I can't deal with this fucker. He's too stupid. He's too idiotic. 
He's unhinged. He's crazy. He's mentally ill. This is what I hear Chuck Schumer saying by not engaging in the bullshit with Donald Trump. Even Nancy Pelosi stopped talking to Donald Trump and started talking to to, uh, Chuck Schumer. Remember, folks, they were in the same room, Donald Trump, Chuck Schumer, uh, and Nancy Pelosi. And you wonder, why wasn't there any other Republicans in that room with those cameras? So Trump decided to let us see what, how he was going to lambast the, uh, the Democrats in the Oval Office, trying to send a message out here to us Americans. That's what he was trying to do. Trying to send a message out here to people who voted against his ass. Trying to send a message out here to people who want to see him impeached and gone to prison. That's what he's doing. That's what he's done. I didn't watch the video because I, I don't too much want to watch anything Trump's in. I don't want to give him exposure because that's what he wants. He wants people to, to look at him, to praise him. The only people that's looking at Donald Trump and reporting about Donald Trump is the media. They're doing it because it's their job. But us as American people, we don't have to watch this fool. We don't have to watch this idiot. Just like we don't have to watch Fox News, which is nothing but a propaganda network. For Donald Trump and the Republicans That's all it is But it didn't work in their favor In the midterms did it And it's not going to work in their favor In 2020 If Trump actually Now Trump Now okay let me back up a little bit Now the Justice Department They do have something on their books That's saying that A sitting president cannot be indicted Let's say if they go with that Let's say if Mueller doesn't indict Donald Trump because he wants to follow the rules of the Justice Department, a department he once headed, well then, there is no doubt about it. Donald Trump will be indicted when he leaves office. He will be indicted when he leaves office. And he's going to be running again in 2020. He will lose. And the moment he loses... They're going to slap a fucking indictment on him and, hand, and, and take him to jail. The, I've said this several times. The presidency, the presidency is saving Donald Trump's ass. No, he will not resign because the, president, the, the presidency is saving Trump's ass. Now, here's my reasoning behind that. If Donald Trump resigns, that's not going to happen, which if he resigns, suddenly he resigns, he quits, and that's not going to happen. Why? Because he loves power. This guy is power hungry. He likes being the boss. He likes being a dictator. He's not a leader. He's a dictator. Or a more likely, so many people are saying he's a dictator wannabe because he will never be a dictator because the Democrats control everything, at least the House of Representatives. And I wish the Democrats would stand up to him a little bit more and not bow down to him like Chuck Schumer is doing. Chuck Schumer just weak under this idiot. And another reason why Donald Trump will not resign, because if he resigns, I think I just got through saying it, if he resigns, he will be indicted. That's a sure 
fire indictment if he resigns. So as long as he's president and as long as they are actually going by what's on the Department of Justice books that he cannot be indicted because he's a president, but once he his his presidency is over, he will go to jail. And that's not too long from now, but a lot of people are saying maybe he will not make it to 2020, and that's a possibility. Maybe he will not uh, uh, serve out his term, and that's a possibility. You know, uh, a lot of the Republicans are dismissing Donald Trump's crimes. Yeah. Orrin Hatch said, I don't give a damn if he committed crime. I don't care. I don't care if he committed a crime. This is Orrin Hatch, and this is some of the other Republicans. This is just telling you that we have rogue Republicans, thug Republicans. We have Nazi Republicans. We have Russian spies in our government as Republicans. Uh, And we have stupid and dumb Republicans like Orrin Hatch and some of the other ones who say that they don't care if Donald Trump committed a crime. But if this was a Democrat or someone else, I don't think he would say something like that. This just this just goes to show that the American people, the voting public, and I'm talking about grassroots Democrats, grassroots Republicans who out here who don't like what's going on in their government, they can change this shit in 2020. Even if Trump is impeached before his term is up. We still all over the place. I mean, we got to vote them out at state, local, federal, uh, uh, districts. We got to get them out wherever the fuck they are in our country because they're all on one page. They want to govern for life. They want to put keep their foot on the back of uh, uh, working people, middle class people. And poor people. They want to keep their foot on the back of uh, people who are struggling to make a living. They want to put their foot on everybody's neck. So, you know, people should just vote these clowns out wherever they are, especially in Wisconsin. I mean, they are. They are Wisconsin, Michigan, a lot of these places where Republicans are in control of the legislature. They're weakening the income incoming Democrats taking away their power. I don't understand that. These uh, uh, these states where the Republicans are trying to cheat and gerrymander and take power away from the incoming uh, politicians, the incoming uh, candidates who have, who were voted in by the public is a shame. And I will say this, those folks in, in these states where Republicans are, are fucking over their state, they should not lay back, not sit back, not complain about it. Get out there and file a bunch of lawsuits. The law is on your side, not theirs. File these lawsuits. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. On, on uh, Black Talk Radio. Get out there and file a bunch of lawsuits against these thug Republicans. The power of your state and trying to take away your democracy. File these 
lawsuits, file a lot of lawsuits. Okay, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show. We're going to take a break right now, and we will, we will be right back. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Be right back. July 16th, 2018. Many are saying this is a day that will live in infamy. That's true. They say it will be remembered as the day the presidency, as a symbol of America's protection, died. But I see something else as a result here. I think we hit bottom. And if so, there's a blessing in that because there can be no more debate about which way is up. Donald John Trump delivered us here with a display of cowardly self-interest. His decision to choose to believe Vladimir Putin over his own government on the matter of Russian attacks on our election. As simple and as shocking as it was embarrassing to hear those words. But when it happened, everything changed. It was like the free world gasped. Now, we all knew that Trump wouldn't and maybe couldn't confront Putin about his attack on our democracy to anyone's true satisfaction, if only because Trump had disparaged the truth of the matter too many times before. And we thought we knew why. Because Trump conflates the attack with his legitimacy as president. But in all that, we never suspected that a president would betray his own country as an exercise in vanity. But then Donald Trump betrayed America. And after that gasp at Trump's perfidy, 
came all the exhaled words of outrage and calls for justice. John Brennan, the former CIA director under President Obama, called it, quote, nothing short of treasonous. Now, that's a loaded word. The law does mention giving enemies aid and comfort as treasonous. Federal prosecutors are implicating the president of the United States in two federal crimes during the 2016 presidential campaign. The stunning new memos give us an unprecedented look into the probe and say former attorney Michael Cohen acted, I'm quoting now, at the direction of Donald Trump. When he committed campaign finance violations for hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels and former Playboy model Karen McDougal, but it doesn't stop there. Special counsel Robert Mueller also believes the Trump Tower project in Moscow is relevant to Russia's 2016 meddling. And it's not just a matter of Cohen lying about the timeline. All of this happening as Mueller says former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort lied about five major things, including how long he stayed in touch with White House officials after he was indicted. Mueller indicating communication was going on as recently as this year. All right, let's get right to it now. CNN politics reporter Jeremy Herb is on uh, the president being implicated in two federal crimes now. Good to see you. So what more can you tell us? Yeah, that's right, Fred. You know, this was one of the most revealing windows we've had so far into what the Mueller investigation has uncovered. And what's most significant here is that for the first time, the US, prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan said that Trump directed Cohen to commit crimes during the campaign when he asked women and paid women not to speak about the alleged affairs with Trump. Now, the big looming question is, what does this mean for the president? Trump tweeted last night that the filing clears the president, but he is implicated in these crimes that Cohen committed. Now, the DOJ has not accused the president of a crime and has said that, in fact, a sitting president cannot be indicted. But this is certainly a matter that Congress is going to take up once Democrats take back the House next month. Now, in addition to the talk about the women, uh, Friday's filings revealed that new contacts between Michael Cohen and Russians as part of the Trump Tower Moscow project early on in the campaign. And what Mueller did here was he connected the Trump Tower Moscow project, which was pursued in 2015 and into 2016, with questions about Russian election meddling, saying that Trump stood to benefit business-wise had the project gone forward, and that discussions were ongoing at the same time that Russia was actively meddling in the election. Now, prosecutors recommended a substantial sentence for Cohen as part of uh, this memo last night after Cohen's attorneys had hoped that he would get no prison time and requested that on their side. Um, Cohen is facing charges of tax fraud, campaign finance violations that are tied to these payments to women, and also lying to Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow project. He's set to be sentenced next month, Fred. All right, Jeremy Herb, thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right, if you ask President Trump, um, he's free and clear. The president tweeting this morning saying this, quote, after two, uh, two years and millions of pages of documents and a cost of over $30 million, no collusion. Our White House correspondent Boris Sanchez joining us right now. So, Boris, uh, what else is the White House saying about all of this? Hey there, Fred. Yeah, the White House essentially saying this is no big deal. The president, as you noted earlier today, tweeting out that there is no collusion. However, this isn't Robert Mueller's final report. These are just sentencing documents for his former campaign chairman and his former attorney. Uh, Sarah Sanders put out uh, a statement yesterday, yesterday addressing both of these filings. 
Uh, here's what she wrote about Michael Cohen's filing. She writes, quote, the government's filings in Mr. Cohen's case tell us nothing that wasn't of already known. Mr. Cohen has repeatedly lied, and as the prosecution has pointed out to the court, Mr. Cohen is no hero. Not included in her statement is an explanation of whether President Trump was aware or not of that Russian national that approached Michael Cohen, suggesting that the Russian government could have political synergy with the Trump campaign. She also writes about Paul Manafort, uh, and she writes, quote, The government's filing in Mr. Manafort's case says absolutely nothing about the president. It says even less about collusion and is devoted almost entirely to lobbying-related issues. Once again, the media is trying to create a story where there isn't one. Uh, that's certainly not the case, especially considering that it was revealed yesterday that Paul Manafort was having conversations with a senior administration official as recently as May, something that was not addressed in this statement either. Uh, as we noted previously, Jeremy noted the president yesterday tweeted out that these documents clear him. The question of whether he understands that he is individual one in these documents is still out there. Of course, individual one directed Michael Cohen to commit campaign finance violations. We'll get a chance to ask the president that as he departs the White House later today. He's heading to Philadelphia to attend the Army-Navy game, Fred. All right. We, uh, he doesn't usually, you know, pass up an opportunity to speak, so we'll see if... Um if you'll do that today. <laughs> All right, Boris Sanchez, thank you so much. All right, joining me right now to discuss a former assistant to Robert Mueller and former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin and Politico's congressional reporter and CNN political analyst uh, Rachel Bade. Good to see you both. All right, so Michael, you first. You know, the president, you know, has been implicated in now two federal crimes. The president, of course, tweeting out, no collusion, downplaying this. But in your view, how significant are these connections, are these sentencing guidelines, these two crimes now being connected to the president? Well, the Southern District of New York has determined in its pleadings that Michael Cohen committed felonies at the direction of the president, then candidate Trump, and therefore, uh, by inference, the president has likewise committed two crimes. Whether they would ever be prosecuted, by a prosecutor, leave aside whether or not you can indict and prosecute a sitting president, is probably uh, unlikely. These are cases that require a lot of complicated proof about the intent to influence the election. But that all aside, this is what the Southern District of New York says. The president instructed Cohen to violate the law. And there's just no way uh, that that's helpful to anybody. Mm -hmm. and, and Rachel, you know, so his fingerprints, you know, allegedly are, are on it, the president's fingerprints here. But then the president tweeting that this news totally clears him. And we've heard him, you know, in the past, you know, imply that he is above the law, even saying, you know, he could shoot somebody, you know, in Manhattan and nobody, uh, you know, would, would really flinch at that and he would still get elected. So is this the president really realizing that this is very serious or is he you know, dismissing this? Is he naively, you know, dismissing all of this? You know, I bet there's probably a difference in what he, you know, feels privately and says publicly. I mean, mm. very contrary from clearing him, this digs him in uh, several feet deeper. You have not just a former lawyer who has turned on him and who has lied before mm -hmm. saying that Trump directed him to pay off these women, uh, which was illegal given the campaign finance laws, but these are federal prosecutors who are saying that Trump 
directed it, calling him individual one, directly implicating him. Another thing I would say is, you know, the plot is really thickening when it comes to the whole collusion aspect and question of collusion. You know, Democrats, even on the Hill, had sort of let go of that narrative because there wasn't a lot of proof that something was going on. But these filings, what we saw this week, was that Mueller is getting very close to connecting and, and is very much saying there's a connection between Trump having uh, business interests in Moscow and trying to get a Trump Tower built there and approved there, and what the Russians were doing in terms of offering this political synergy uh, and then later interfering in our U.S. elections. So mm-hmm. he's really building this case right now. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Obviously, you cannot indict a sitting president. At least there's no precedent for that. It would be very unprecedented if they did. Mm-hmm. So Democrats on the Hill, when they take over, uh, they're going to have to ask themselves, are they going to try to impeach the president? What are they going to do about this? Because it's really probably going to come down to them. Hmm. And so, Michael, you know, an example of the interest that uh, the president, the stakes that he has, you know, in Moscow with the development project of this Trump Tower, you know, Moscow. Um, But how do you explain why all the lying? I mean, what do you suppose is at the bottom, you know, of this investigation um, or the focus of this investigation into as to why would there be so much lying? Well, it's a good question. I think fundamentally that Donald Trump, when he was candidate and perhaps even as president, What matters to him most is money, and that the Trump Tower Moscow project, according to the prosecutor's documents filed yesterday, he stood to make a lot of money if that project went through, and he was not about to do anything that would interfere with the success of that project. At the same time, he's running for president, and it's a bit unseemly to be doing both of those things simultaneously. And I I think, therefore, but you heard the president say, but if I didn't win, you know, to, to miss out on this opportunity, this business opportunity, he essentially is justifying having these irons in the fire without saying specifically, you know, this Trump Tower Moscow project, but saying, what's the matter with looking into business opportunities while simultaneously running just in case I don't win? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. And had he been transparent during the campaign to say, I'm a businessman, I'm running for president, but I have a business to run, and let me tell you, let me disclose to the American people that I am pursuing business in Moscow while simultaneously doing this, and if I win, of course, I'll you know, set aside my business, which actually he didn't do, but um, there would be nothing wrong with it. But what the problem is, is that while he was running for president, he claimed not to be doing that, which we now learn from the prosecutor's documents, that actually his business was doing. Whether he knew about it has to be proven um, for there to be, you know, criminality or, 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 you know, lack of transparency. But that, I think, is what is at the heart of the lying. Mm-hmm. Freedom, this is what I call.
In the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe. In awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. <laughs> Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. Thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I've got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. <laughs> and just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. 
So, 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 if, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and, and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky, incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship, something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun. As of the 558th day of Donald Trump being the president of the United States, the man has told 4,000 229 lies. Now, obviously, at this point, we're past the 558th day, so the number of lies has actually gone up from that. But since we don't have the count from the last few days, we have to stick to the 4,229 lies since becoming president. When we first started doing these stories and when Washington Post first started keeping track of these things, his lie tally was a little under five lies per day. At the Beginning of this year, it was a little over five lies per day. Back in March, April, he hit 6.6 .6 lies per day. Now, today, Donald Trump is averaging 7.6 lies per day to the American public. In the last two months, the total number of lies that he has told has increased by almost 1,000. What else has happened in the last two months? Could it be that things with the Mueller investigation have really heated up? The additional indictments, the trial of Manafort, much of his other buddies admitting that, yeah, we're working with the special prosecutor. Then, of course, all the stuff with Michael Cohen happening. Yeah, all of the investigations into you or your buddies have gone really to the extreme in the last two months, and so have your lies. And I do believe that there is a correlation between the two. The more desperate you get, the more afraid you get, Mr. President, the more lies you tell to the American public to try to make them believe that you are innocent in every single matter that you are being investigated for, or that you had nothing to do with any of your buddies who are facing some pretty serious jail time. But here's the thing. Most of the lies that he's telling are not just about those investigations. A lot of them are. A lot of them are. But he's told 1,293 lies just related to economic issues, trade deals, and jobs in the United States. Almost 1,300 lies just about economic issues. Um, on trade alone, 432 false statements. Um, on immigration, he has told us 538 lies. Um, he's made 378 false statements about the Russia probe, and he's made 336 lies about taxes, and he has made more than 60 lies about NATO, just NATO. A lot of the lies he's told have been repeated more than once, but they only get counted once in those total totals. But here's the thing, again, the frequency with which the president lies is increasing, and it is increasing dramatically. In the last few months, he has increased his lies per day by 1.0 lies. That is a lot. 
I'm curious at this point to see how high that number can go. How long will these hardcore Trump cultists continue to support the man who every credible organization in this country is telling you is lying to you, not just on a daily basis, but on an increasing basis? My guess is that the hardcore Trumpists will never stop supporting him, no matter what. No matter what Mueller says, no matter what Cohen says, no matter how many lies he tells them, they are going to believe it. But for those of us left in this country who are still thinking rationally about things, we need to understand that there is a reason why this man is not just lying to us every single day, but lying more and more to us every single day. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And this has it's been a really huge day in the Mueller investigation. Our blockbuster news, the president's former fixer and keeper of secrets, apparently not keeping those secrets anymore. I'm talking about Michael Cohen. He's saying that he was lying to protect the president when he told Congress that negotiations to put a Trump Tower in Moscow ended before the Iowa caucuses. Cohen, as part of his surprise guilty plea today to a charge from Robert Mueller, now says those negotiations continued well into the presidential campaign until June of 2016. He also says he discussed the project with Donald Trump himself on more than three occasions and briefed Trump family members working with the Trump organization. That means then-candidate Trump was trying to do business with Russia in the middle of a campaign that Russia interfered in to help elect him. And get a load of this detail, which sounds like it would be straight out of the Trump playbook. One idea for marketing Trump Tower Moscow was to offer Vladimir Putin the $50 million penthouse. That's according to Felix Sater, a Russian-born one-time business associate of Trump's who worked on the project with Michael Cohen. For what it's worth, Rudy Giuliani tells CNN the president never heard about the idea. But Trump Tower Moscow was just one of the topics Cohen discussed in over 70 hours of questioning by Mueller's team. He's expected to continue cooperating with Mueller. But here's the thing that's got to have this president really, really, really rattled right now. The news broke after he turned in his written answers to Mueller's questions, including questions about the Moscow project. And if the president's answers don't match what Cohen now says, that spells big trouble. Rudy Giuliani says there's no contradiction, and we haven't seen those answers. But Robert Mueller has. The president reacting to all of this just about the way you'd expect, because sources are telling CNN tonight that he is, quote, in a terrible mood, spooked and completely distracted. Which sounds about right. For a little over an hour after Cohen dropped his bombshell this morning, the president stood before the cameras on the South Lawn and did what he always does. First, deny. He's trying to get a much lesser prison sentence by making up a story. So very simply, Michael Cohen is lying and he's trying to get a reduced sentence for things that have nothing to do with me. Then, backpedal. We were thinking about building a building. I guess we had in a form. It was an option. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, we decided, I decided ultimately not to do it. And then, there's a formula here, and then make excuses. Now, here's the thing. Even if he was right, it doesn't matter. Because 
I was allowed to do whatever I wanted during the campaign. So it has nothing to do with me, but I was thinking about doing it and deciding and decided not to, and it doesn't matter because I could do whatever I wanted. Pure Trump. You know what else is pure Trump? Lying. So Michael Cohn has made many statements to the House, as I understand it, and the Senate. He put out a statement talking about a project which was essentially, I guess, more or less of an option that we were looking at in Moscow. Everybody knew about it. It was written about in newspapers. It was a well-known project. So he's lying about a project that everybody knew about. This deal was a very public deal. Everybody knows about this deal. So that is not true. The potential deal for Trump Tower in Moscow never came to light until after Trump took office, long after the deal was canceled. CNN did some digging and found that the project was first mentioned briefly in an article in the New York Times in February 2017. But details were few and far between until Cohen testified on Capitol Hill in August 2017. So, no. It was not a very public deal. And it certainly was not public while Donald Trump was running for president. And that is because Trump never mentioned it. Despite question after question about any involvement with Russia, on July 26, 2016, he tweeted this, for the record, I have zero investments in Russia. And then the next day he said this. I have nothing to do with Russia. I have John, John, how many times do I have to say it? Are you a smart man? I have nothing to do with Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. Not one word about the Trump Tower Moscow deal. In fact, he never mentioned it. Not once. In all the times he was asked about Russia during the campaign, after he was elected, and after his inauguration. You said you have no investments in Russia, but do you owe any money to Russian individuals and institutions? No. Will I sell condos to Russians on occasion? Probably. I mean, I do that. I have a lot of condos. I don't have any deals with Russia. I had Miss Universe there a couple of years ago. Other than that, no. We could make deals in Russia very easily if we wanted to. I just don't want to because I think that would be a conflict. I own nothing in Russia. I have no loans in Russia. I don't have any deals in Russia. I had the Miss Universe pageant, which I owned for quite a while. I had it in Moscow a long time ago. Uh, but other than that, I have nothing to do with Russia. You're the one I, I don't have. I could, but I didn't because I think it would be a conflict. He said it right there. Listen to what happened when CBS's Nora O'Donnell asked then-campaign chairman Paul Manafort about Russia back in 2016. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. <laughs> a little awkward. Uh, yeah, we got to play it one more time. Let's play it, please. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. <laughs> oh, that was really, really awkward. I still have no idea what he said there, but 
That's so, doesn't that just sum all of this up, the whole day, just all of it? That's what he said. If that's what, that's what, I mean, if that's what he said, that's what happened. But as we all... Bye.
tonight's other headline, a republic if you can keep it. With his back against the wall, the president has re-embarked on an all-too-familiar campaign to undermine and cast doubt on American institutions. Because he didn't lose control of the House, America did. Almost as soon as the results were in, Trump questioned the validity of U.S. elections, unleashing a storm of tweets in the past 48 hours that, without any evidence, accused election officials in Florida and Arizona of fraud. On Wednesday, he turned his attention on the Mueller investigation, firing his own attorney general, Jeff Sessions, for failing to be his dutiful stooge at the Department of Justice. In his place, Trump bypassed the similarly principled number two Rod Rosenstein, instead announcing the appointment of Matthew Whitaker as acting attorney general. Coincidentally, I'm sure Whitaker has been a vocal critic of the Mueller investigation, which he will now be charged with overseeing. Next in the path of Trump tornado, the president turned his wrath toward the press for daring to ask him questions. After a chaotic press conference on Wednesday, the White House pulled the press pass of CNN chief White House correspondent Jim Acosta. On Friday, when asked if Acosta's pass would be permanently revoked, Trump doubled down, saying more press passes could be pulled in the future. I think Jim Acosta is a very unprofessional man. I think he does this with everybody. He gets paid to do that. You know, he gets paid to burst in. As far as I'm concerned, I haven't made that decision, but it could be others also. He also fired away at a PBS reporter calling her racist and another CNN reporter calling her question stupid. And finally, though, check back in a few minutes, uh, Trump renewed his attack on birthright citizenship, promising an executive order to end the practice. Because that's likely unconstitutional, though, the move is almost certain to tee up a battle in the Supreme Court. That's something the president readily acknowledges. We will be signing it soon. Was it's, it a political stunt? No, no, no. We, oh, we're signing it. We're doing it. And it'll probably work its way up to the Supreme Court. Yes, this is all fine. In a matter of one week, the president has attacked the rule of law and the Constitution on no less than three fronts. The independence of the Department of Justice, the First Amendment and freedom of the free press, and the 14th Amendment. Now, lest you say, but S.E., you didn't care when Obama threatened the press. Oh, yeah, I did. Plenty of us were critical of the 44th president for seizing phone and email records of reporters from the AP and the New York Times and Fox News reporter James Rosen. And, of course, other presidents before Trump were guilty of constitutional overreach. In 1937, FDR infamously attempted to pack the courts with friendly judges. There was the Box 13 scandal of 1948 when LBJ was accused of stuffing 202 additional ballots into a box, which miraculously swung the Texas Senate election in his favor at the last minute. And of course, there was Nixon's Saturday Night Massacre in 1973, where he fired both his attorney general and deputy attorney general when they refused to fire Archibald Cox, the special prosecutor charged with investigating the Watergate scandal. Well, history is replete with greedy and craven presidents who tried to expand executive power and undermine the Constitution. None has attacked the rule of law and the Constitution on so many fronts at the same time. And we haven't even gotten to the latest allegations of campaign finance violations by Trump. Here's the deal. As Americans, we have the distinct privilege of having inherited a Republican system of government 
which conspicuously features systems of checks and balances and separations of power. Also enshrined in this republic, the rights of a free press, which in part is meant to ensure that those entrusted with the power this system affords them will be held accountable. Our system of democracy can be clunky, it can be slow, it sometimes can be arcane, but for the past 230 years, it's served us pretty well. The Founding Fathers, in their infinite wisdom, came up with this system to prevent the very kind of arbitrary, ego-driven, imperialist behavior that Trump finds so alluring, especially when he feels threatened. So the question is, how strong is our republic? We're about to find out. For more on this, let me bring in the host of The Axe Files, David Axelrod. Uh, good to see you. Axe, is Trump freaking out in light of the <laughs> midterm election results? It sure would seem that way. I mean, uh, you know, the, the thing about Donald Trump is there's never been an R on his gear shift. Uh, whenever he encounters trouble or obstacles, he tends to step on the gas, and that's what we've seen since the primary. A different kind of person uh, would have been reflective about the result because at the yeah. end of the day, it was quite a good day for Democrats, uh, and the Republican Party lost in places that the Republican Party has rarely lost before, and that should have been, uh, that should have been a pause uh, for him, a cause for uh, some introspection. He's not an introspective person, no. and it seems like his reaction was to uh, was to lash that out, was to double down in all the ways that you uh, I identified. So, uh, you know, I'm not very hopeful <laughs> about what the next uh, weeks and months are going to bring. So the first thing the president did um, when it was clear the Republicans would keep the Senate was fire Jeff Sessions because he could. Now, mm -hmm. some are saying not to worry. The Mueller, Mueller investigation will be just fine. Democrats will have options. Are you worried about the integrity of that investigation? Well, I think everybody has to be worried about it because I think the reason that, you know, uh, Mr. Whitaker was not the first, second, third, or fourth person you'd think of. There is actually a succession uh, a system in place uh, that would have called for the deputy attorney general to be the acting attorney general, perhaps the solicitor general, and there is a prescribed uh, roster to choose from. Instead, he got plucked uh, out of semi-obscurity, and apparently, yeah. and now we know, that he auditioned for this role right. on CNN by speaking about how he thought the Mueller investigation uh, was uh, illegal and uh, out mm -hmm. of bounds. And he uh, had prescribed ways for, for, uh, for essentially, uh, uh, you know, thwarting it. Uh, and uh, so one gets the distinct feeling that he is there for that purpose. Maybe yeah. he won't do that. But there are other things that have come up that relate to the other things on your list that yeah. are disturbing because he's written and spoken about the, uh, about the, the, uh, Supre uh, the court system as an inferior branch uh, right. of, uh, of government. He, he, he thinks Marbury versus Madison, one of the bedrocks of American uh, government, uh, was uh, improperly decided. And it makes and, and so if he's advising the president on the yeah. constitutionality of the things that he's doing, we're in for some rocky moments here. Well, on to the next one. I'm sorry for the whiplash, but there's a lot to, to cover, and I want your take on yeah. it all. Um, life, Trump is alleging... Life in Trump world, yeah. I know. Um, get used to it. Trump is alleging without evidence that there's been election fraud in Arizona. Only after it started looking like Kirsten Cinema 
might win. He's alleging election fraud in Florida. Uh, let me be clear, there's evidence of incompetence there, but none yet of fraud at all. What are the consequences, in your mind, of the President of the United States casting doubt so recklessly on the electoral process? show i'm all rested and all ready to go uh donald trump a lot of people are calling donald trump a russian agent 
And they're saying that he does not care about this country. He does not care about the American people. He does not care about anything that's American. And you know what? That's correct. He doesn't. He doesn't care about people. He has no sympathy. He has no empathy. He's a narcissist, fascist, a criminal, crook, a liar, as you heard on this show. He's told over 1,000 lies and counting. However, his supporters say, hey, that's nothing. They don't care. I mean, Donald Trump could actually go out one day and shoot somebody on a street corner, and his supporters will stand right by him. Even as he's being hauled off to prison for murder, they will still praise him. These people, his supporters, I, I don't uh, admire them. I don't care for them. I don't, I don't want them around me. I don't want to get to know them. But, you know, I mean, in every neighborhood, in every crevice and corner of America, there is a Trump supporter. And I can almost tell Trump supporters, if I'm walking down the street and there's a bunch of people walking behind me, in front of me, across the street, um, somewhere in that crowd of folks is a or are Trump supporters. And you can almost tell a Trump supporter. They look crazy. They look demented. They look dazed. They look out of it. And they look wild. And you can almost tell a Trump supporter when they're looking that way. And you don't have to ask them if they are Trump supporters or not. You can look at them and tell. You can tell by their actions. Sometimes you can tell by the way they uh, confront you. If they're, if they're racist, if they're just obnoxious, if they want to cause you harm. Yeah, I have been accosted by a Trump supporter, and it wasn't good. I mean, this was a young lady, too. I mean, this was a woman. A, a, a decent looking woman A beautiful woman But she was crazed She was a Trumpster And she acted as if she wanted to attack me And I know there is A lot of people who Around America who are going through Things like that You know um, This is uh, The era of Donald Trump And he Gets off on dividing The country Dividing the White House. Now we have a divided Congress. There's no doubt about it. After this meeting, this guy is just so unfit, so unhinged. Why are they not indicting him? Why is he not in jail? Why is he not impeached? If it would have been anybody else besides Donald Trump acting in this manner, being a criminal the way he is, they would have been out of office long ago, especially if it was a Democrat. And Republicans were in control, especially if it was a Democrat. Why is this asshole allowed to reign in the Oval Office and just make an ass of our country? Yes, he has destroyed our country. Uh, yeah, he has torn it a fuck. He has torn it the fuck apart. There is no doubt about it. And he continues to tear it apart because he wants to be a fucking dictator. He doesn't want. To do what you tell him to do He wants us to do what he wants And he's a liar And a buffoon and an idiot I, I don't read his tweets I really don't I, I don't. But other people read them because they get paid to read them And when they read them Then you know they report them And they'll get back to me 
I don't read his tweets. They're always so goofy, so ill-defined, grammar errors everywhere. Did you read the latest one about the smocking gun? That's ridiculous. And he makes these kind of mistakes in his tweets, and then when he makes them, he acts as if that, that, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. When you fuck up in your writing like that, you are sending a message out to all, uh, all of our children. You're sending a message that it's okay to be a dummy. It's okay to be stupid. It's okay not to know how to spell or correct grammar uh, usage in a tweet. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care about his uh, 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 grammar and, and what he writes and how he writes it. He's the president of the United States. He sets a tone. Young people see that. Oh, the president is a dummy. Why do we need school? He sets the tone for all of this, but he doesn't give a fuck. He makes a mistake in one of them tweets, and he tweets like crazy. I don't read them. I don't bother to read them because the tweets are just like him talking, and he talks out of his ass. He can tweet this one day, then the next day he'll tweet something different on the same subject until it ends up being a great big fat lie. We have to do better than this, America. We have to do better than this. And we have to take our country back. We have to go back to some of these states that are, that are, are the legislatures are Republicans that are trying to end democracy in a lot of these states. I don't think that's going to work. I think Democrats are going to grow a spine grow some balls and, and and take their states back. That's what they have to do. Because a lot of these uh in a lot of these states where there were uh elections, the Republicans cheated. They cheated Texas, Georgia, they cheated Michigan, Wisconsin, they cheated. There's proof, ample proof that they cheated. But they're gonna get away with it. Because there's no law against cheating. And there should be. There's no law against lying to the American people. There should be. There's no law against saying that there should be no law. There should be. There's no law against someone wanting to be above the law. There should be. Donald Trump should not be in office. And I'm not the only one saying that. I think a lot of people are saying that. And he shouldn't. He really should not be in office. This man is not, I wanted to say parasite, but he's worse than a parasite. He's worse. Donald Trump is not only the worst president ever, he's the worst individual ever. He's the worst person ever. And you got other countries around the world saying, (laughs) Donald, they don't want Donald Trump, uh, meddling in their affairs like France they they don't want Donald Trump meddling in their affairs they don't want Donald Trump in their country they make no bones about it there was one time early in Donald, in Donald Trump's presidency it seems as if he was trying to trying to uh, take over the world not just America it seems as if he was trying to take over the entire world 
I mean, if you saw the way he acted when he went abroad, you would assume that too. It wasn't an assumption. It was not an assumption. It was for real. Donald Trump wanted to take over the world. He wanted to be the uno runo of every fucking every fucking other country around the world. He got a rude awakening <laughs> because they said they don't want him in their country. They don't want him meddling in their affairs. They don't want him in their country. People will bitch like hell if Donald Trump thinks about going to visit their country. They don't like him. They don't want so therefore he stays in America and fucks over America because he they won't let him fuck over uh, other countries in the world. So now he stays in America and he has these rural gas Republicans on his side. He, he has a propaganda network, Fox. And I'm hearing a lot of people are leaving Fox because of that. All right, thanks for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'll be ranting some more tomorrow, folks. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. I had fun. I hope you had fun. Uh, And I want you to enjoy yourself whenever uh, or whatever time you find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. There's lots of podcasts. This is not a podcast, folks. This is is Internet radio at its best, broadcasting out of uh, the city of Chicago. You know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, and I would say to anybody, uh, if you if, if your niche is in this in radio, go for it. There is money in it. I mean, there is totally totally money in it, and um, stuff like that. I want to say one more thing. Uh, I did a show about a few days ago called Be the Best That You Can Be. I want to say a little bit about that. Always be the best that you can be. Uh, there are always uh, people out there that's going to try and take you down, put you down, because you're good at what you do. There's going to be people who are going to uh, challenge you and to see if you actually good at what you do. Um, there are going to be people all over the place. Now, some of you out there probably don't even know what I'm talking about. You never experienced this kind of thing. That's fine, but a lot of people have. A lot of people have in their own families. Their own family is trying to tell them that they can't make it. They can't do it. Or there's no support coming from uh, family members to one of the members of the family who has a talent. I've heard this. I've seen it. Maybe I even have experienced it. But anyway, if you're good at what you do, if you believe in yourself, don't ever think, don't ever think that you can't do it. Don't ever let someone tell you that you cannot do what you love. If you know that you can do something, if you know you're good at it, there's going to be people on your side. There's going to be people gravitating towards you because you're good at what you do and they want to be a part of that. Then there's going to be those folks on the other side of the aisle who's going to try to tell you you're not good at what you do. Sometimes these people can be in your family, and, and it may even hurt your feelings and bring you down. The best thing you can do is get the hell away from people who are trying to tell you that you can't make it. You can't do it. It's, it's, you know, this is something that's been going on for forever. And you'll be surprised at a lot of people give up their dreams 
all because other folks, even in their family, tell them that they can't do it. They're not that talented. They're not that talented. You have to believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, others will believe in you. If you think you can do something, if you think you've got a talent that, that's going to uh, make you someone, go for it. Stay away from those people who say you can't do it. Because if you hang around people who say that you can't do something that you know you can do, they will destroy your life. You're good at something. You know you're good at it. You, others have told you you're good at it. Get away from those folks who say you can't do it. Stay away from the bullies. Because more times over, the people who are telling you that you can't do something, they're losers themselves. Sometimes losers in your family, they don't want you to be successful. They, they do not want you to win. We need talented people in America. I, and I believe everyone, I've said this before, I believe everyone has been indoctrinated with some sort of talent. But a lot of us fail to reach down inside of ourselves to pull that talent out and let it fester. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you join me tomorrow. It's going to be another show. It's going to be another hot one, folks. Uh, George Wilder Jr., I'm always uh, appreciated to your uh, listenership, and I hope you tell every, and I hope you tell other people about the show. And what you think of it, okay? Um, we're, trying, we're trying to find a clip here. Uh, I, I hope you tell everybody about the show and that you enjoyed the show. I'm pretty sure someone probably told you about the show, right? And, uh, you know, uh, there's lots of podcasts around, the sh- around here. And I'm not saying do not listen to those. I'm just saying uh, try to listen to the George Wilder Jr. show. And you have a great evening, a great morning, a great afternoon, wherever you may find yourself listening to, to the show, whenever you find yourself listening to the show. Have a great one, folks. All right. Bye-bye. I, I hope you guys join me tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 